0: for tuning in this Wednesday September the 11th a special day in the United States and all around the world a day we will never ever forget if you've never had a chance to uh, To make it to New York and uh, visit the 9-11 Memorial, um, the footprints of the two towers in Manhattan, you need to do that in your lifetime. Um, It is a sacred space. It is probably, in terms of monuments, monuments it might be the best monument to memorialize something that I've ever seen. The, uh, the footprints of the towers It is just, I've been there a few times every time it takes your breath away. So, um, I would definitely encourage you to, uh, to do that, if you get a chance to make it to to New York uh, at some point in your life, go and visit the nine eleven uh, memorial and uh, and take it all in. Um, it was uh, it was a crazy day. It was an awful day, um, and it's a day that we will never forget. And those who who perished uh, that day will not be forgotten. And, uh, those first responders were heroes. Um, and, uh, so it was, uh, I'll never forget where I was on that day. It was, uh, I was working at a recording studio back when that was still a viable business. And, uh, I'd come in to, uh, to open the studio that morning, uh, before our sessions that day. And, um, I got a call from my mom, and and uh, she said, "Turn on the news." And turned on the news, and just in time to see the second plane hit the uh, the second tower. And um, it was uh, it was surreal. It's still surreal. Um, looking looking back on things and where we've gone as a country since then, um, but uh, special day, special day. Um, thanks for tuning into the show today. Is Wednesday, September the 11th. It is 8 a.m. on the east coast. And uh, if you're an early bird riser out there in the mountain west or or further out west in 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 uh, California, Oregon, Seattle, 5 a.m. for you guys, thanks for tuning in this Wednesday, September the 11th. Um, I really do appreciate you. Uh, tuning in today, and uh, we will have a guest uh, coming up here in just a, a few minutes. Um, and uh, I was I w- was really really uh, impressed by a a video he posted on Twitter of some 2010 players. These are eight and nine-year-olds and uh, the way that he he is teaching them to play. And, and so I was like, man, I need to have you on so we can kind of talk about what you're doing. And it, it looks different than your what you, what you see with an average eight or nine-year-old team. And um, it was real impressive. So look forward to having him on. Uh here in a few minutes. Uh yesterday we we talked about uh you know all these kids leaving the sport um and 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 not having an opportunity, not having the access to um you know to, to, to stay in the sport, to, to get access to get into the sport at the highest levels. Uh, We just, we've not had that, that ability. And um, so in, in looking at that, we went through quite a few uh, different scenarios. Uh, One of the things we did not get to was the announcement or the news that had come out about the fact of this revamp plan for the Champions League got thwarted or shut down uh by clubs so the 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 clubs that were behind this push Juventus was one of the biggest ones um I believe Manchester United was also uh included in that um but there were uh, but there were there, there were quite a few clubs that were looking at, um, you know, look looking at a way to basically revamp the the entire program and prevent um, your your year to year entry into the league. And instead, it was going to be based on on a lot of other aspects, and uh, and, and one of those aspects was the you know the history of your club, the tradition of your club. So um, that got thwarted, and instead we 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 are um, still where we are are in the current stand uh, setup, and the reason why I bring that up is. Promotion, relegation, opportunity, access is so important to the game that we've got to keep around the world, we've got to keep that opportunity alive. This ecosystem. That is that is operating around the world. Um, this ecosystem is is set up in a way where, without opportunity, it will die on the vine. It will go away. It will not be what it is today if we start to stratify leagues, clubs, and condone these power grabs and cash grabs everything should be about earning it on the field and not about um not not about your 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 the big you know how big your brand is whether you've won it in the past, how many shirts you sold last year, you win on the field, you get in. And um, so kudos to those clubs who, who spoke up. Um, the ECA, which is the, the European Club Association, it has 232 clubs that it represents. And, um, the reason why a lot of these clubs were, were, were not in favor of this is that it was not going to be based on opportunity. So 24 of the 32 teams were going to get to stay in the, this champions league format, regardless of their season. And, uh, enough clubs spoke up and said enough is enough. This is not going to work. So, uh, so that, that to me was a good sign. That was a a good sign in the right direction. And Yeli, who, who is the director of Juventus was unable to sway enough, uh, support his direction for his crazy and ludicrous plan. And, um, you know, it, it was just definitely one of those things where I, I, am, I am super happy that, uh, that that did not go through. Also last night, the U.S. national team, the men's national team, the one that's terrible, got a draw with Uruguay. If you read the press today... You'll see that there's a bunch of PR stories trying to give Burhalter cover. Headline ESPN. US youngsters adjusting to Burhalter ball, but road to redemption remains long. If you watched that match last night and you know anything about the game, there, there's no adjustments. It's not getting better. Last night was not better. We were fortunate to get a goal. It was a circus goal. It was a clown goal. It was one of those goals that, you know, you go and watch like a, a youth soccer match on the weekend, and it doesn't matter whether it's a, what you classify as a rec league or, or an expensive pay-to-play travel team. You'll see them all the time. Kid tries to clear a ball. Kicks it off of someone else. It bounces up in the air. All random. Not from the run of play. Boom, there's a goal. And you're like, how did that happen? That's how our national team had to score last night. We we got several times... Just rinsed in uh, in the back. And um, fortunate to get out of there with a draw. No one came. Not surprising. Uh, they probably didn't realize uh, where the match was because they're used to going to that stadium for baseball games. Yeah, you heard baseball games crazy so uh so we, we have all these stadiums in this country and we go to st louis the recently announced mls team st louis we go to the city of st louis and play in cardinal stadium on a baseball field so um you know look you can uh you you can sit here and and hope, want, be delusional about where we are as a men's national team, but um, we're 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 not going anywhere, and we're not going anywhere fast for sure. Um, last night didn't did is not gonna be indicative of any progress. Um. That To me, that is just all P- PR. That is all just posturing um, and, and not real. Um, I long for the day that a U.S. Men's National Team Manager looks in the camera just like Jurgen Klopp or Pep Bordiola or a Nick Saban or a Bill Belichick or uh, any other great leader and says, this was good, this was bad, or this was terrible. We have to get better. So we have accountability. I mean, we're not going to get better. So having the U.S. Men's National Team Manager out there trying to trying to praise the fact that uh, we had tenacity in the draw. I mean, what are we doing? Why? Why? Why are we so soft in, in in American soccer when it comes to these things? Why can't we why is it so wrong to tell the truth? We do it in other sports, but when it comes to soccer, it's like, oh, don't, don't, don't tell them how they really played. Don't tell the media that that you weren't very good. It's this inferiority complex, and it's been within the federation for decades. It's re- it, it just to me it hinders our ability to grow until until we can admit to ourselves that we got a problem. until we can admit to the public that we're not where we need to be let's focus on that i mean geez it's just it's crazy our sponsor this half hour is ductic brand d-u-k-t-i-g brand.com They are the makers of really cool products, including notebooks that if you are a player and you're trying to figure out how can I take my game to the next level? If you're a coach and you're trying to figure out how to plan sessions, they have some really cool coaching cards, index style cards that you can use to set up plays, set up training sessions. Check them out at ducticbrand.com and use the promo code DWSHOW to get 10% off of your order. Again, that is... DW Show to get 10% off of your next order. We'll be right back after this. for tuning in this wednesday september the 11th i'd like to uh welcome to the show john Kakoris. he's the director of johan jr's senior uh soccer if i can uh, get my mouth to work this morning john welcome to the show how are you hey dan man i'm good thanks for having me thanks for coming on um Look, I, I wanted to bring you on, and I I, I told you this, um, and I said this at the top of the show, but I uh, wanted to bring you on to to talk about uh, that video that you had posted about your 2010s. Um, I thought it was uh, it was great positional play, and um, and and wanted to kind of have a discussion about how how you get from. You know, uh, a pack of rugrats running after a ball all over the field to teaching them about spacing and positioning, and and really get into your your mindset and philosophy. Uh, because I think it would I think it would be helpful for a lot of people who who look at that age group. And I have a 2010, so I, I'm I'm well aware of of that age. Um, I, I was out last night with. My son's team uh, playing a little pickup soccer with them till one of their teammates showed up. And uh, so, you know... I- I know how their, you know, their, their minds work in general. I know what they're capable of. And in general, it's a lot more than we think they're capable of. And your video clip caught my eye because I was like, somebody else realized these guys uh, are capable of a lot more than we think they can in general. And so, uh, yeah. So give us a little bit of background uh, about, you know, who you are and your coaching experience and philosophy. And then we'll, we'll dive into this, uh, this video clip. I, I think think we've actually got uh, some of it that we can show while you're talking but uh t- tell us a-, a little bit about your story who are you and, and and where are you from and how did you get involved with the game
1: all right so um uh as a player um i played um uh with the albertson uh soccer club in long island new york um paul Riley was my head coach uh at u12 and um at that time he was um, considered, you know, one of the more professional coaches in the area. Um, uh, when I was about 16 years old, I had uh, trials in Greece um, in a tournament. Um, it, was in tri- it wasn't trials. It was like more of a showcase tournament in Greece. Um, and when I just didn't, uh, it didn't pan out for me um, due to, you know, I don't know if it was political or uh, wasn't good enough or bad luck or whatever. Oh, and I realized that there's a lot of factors that went into it. I just took like a young, immature, stubborn decision. I decided, I said, hey, if if, uh, if I'm working hard and, you know, it's still in other people's hands. I said, I wasn't really going to go forward with this. So I kind of stepped out of the game. Um, and then I was like really angry at the game. And then uh, a couple of years later, when I was like 22, 21, 22, around there. I started to, um, I started to get back into it. I got introduced, um, to coaching, uh, coaching by one of my friends. His name is Shola, New Jersey. Um, he's with the Cedar stars right now. So, um, at one point he, he said, Hey, why don't you come down to this training session? I'm running. So I went over, um, I kind of, uh, I started like watching, but like before the session, uh, even really got into it, I just started like talking to the players little by little, fixing little things. And I just, uh, I felt comfortable in that environment. So, um, yeah, I started coaching. Um, I started doing some individual stuff, uh, well, independent stuff, excuse me, independent coaching, uh, not really with any kind of company or anything like that or club. Um, and then, um, one, one game that I started coaching when I was like about 24, um, some old man was like taking pictures uh, of the team after the game, like, you know, team photos. And after he was, he asked me my last name. He asked me if I was Greek. Uh, he told me he was an honorary Greek American. Uh, that was the club I played for, uh, when I went over to Greece. Um, yeah. And then, uh, he became my mentor. His name is Joe Miso. Uh, he's, you know, he, was a technical director or youth coordinator at uh, the three bigger clubs in New York, which is uh, the Metropolitan Oval, Met Oval, uh, BWGachi, and uh, New York Oda. Um, so he, he was he kind of like, took me under his wing big time. Uh, he was coach- He coached for over fifty-seven years. He's seventy-four years old. Um, so he kind of um, he eliminated a lot of the trial and error process that uh, um, a young coach would go through and, uh, that was just major. Um, a little time went by, I got introduced, uh, I got a phone call from Boca Juniors USA. Um, they, uh, they wanted to uh, see me and see if I was interested in working for their program. Um, same happened with BW Gachi along the lines. Um, and I started, uh, Johan Junior Soccer in 2015. Um, and, uh, yeah, so it kind of shaped my, my, uh, you know, knowledge and coaching, uh, coaching personality, uh, all, all the people I learned from all those uh, environments. Um, and now I'm only at Johan junior soccer, uh, with, with Joe, uh, my mentor, he's there with me. We got a, a great staff of nine coaches and, um, you know, we're just grinding and trying to produce the best players that we could possibly, um, we, that we possibly can and uh, we're trying to become the best coaches that we possibly could be um, so that's kind of where we're at right now
0: now with your club and your coaching background and your philosophy where did you start to to figure out positional play in terms of first as a concept right and and just kind of going ooh, I see that I like that What? what where did that inspiration first start for you
1: Um, honestly, I, uh, I I didn't even know that it was positional play until like, uh, I started, I started going on the Twitter in 2016. Um, it just, my mind works that way a little bit. Uh, it makes sense to me. So, um, basically everything for me is about pressure and reading numbers. That's like how my brain works with soccer, with any sport, basketball, anything, um, you just know you have a certain amount of players and the other team has a certain amount of players and the ball is going to, you know, dictate where everyone moves to in, in attack and defense. It's two games in one, right? So, like, when we have the ball, we're going to open up and the other team's going to close close down the ball and close down the spaces. So, uh, that's basically how my mind always worked. And, um, and then as I started getting on Twitter and started seeing all these, like, activities and coaching philosophies and just reading, like, kind of, like, kind <laughs> of the mad scientist versions of, like, soccer, uh, I started seeing, like, oh, you know, I do this, or, we do this, or, oh, well, we do this, but it's wrong. Like, this is probably the better, faster way to get your point across. And, um, you know, just research, and I realized, like, you know, there's something in it, and a lot of studying on, uh, you know, the, the top guns, you know, Pep and um, Arigasaki and Bielsa and all those guys, like, they, uh, you know, they're obviously, you know, Major influences on us, um, but um, one one of the biggest things with like, the spaces is um, Joe Miso. Um, Joe Miso, he uh, his idol and his, the guy that he looked up to that shaped his philosophy was uh, Vittorio Pozzo. He was the uh, manager for the Italian national team. He won two World Cups, and um, basically his 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 methodology was kind of. Or, we move the ball on our own end, and as soon as you give us um, a, an option to go forward, we're going to go into the midfield quickly, and then uh, we're going to look for 30 yards to play a through ball in behind you. Uh, we're not going to go into your final third with the ball because then we have no area to attack into. So that kind of that's positional play if you think about it, right? So I'm, I'm going to move the ball in, in the midfield third, and when your defense comes out of your own end, I'm going to you know put the ball behind you for a killer pass. So that, that was like a major influence, like hearing that and, um, and, uh, yeah, kind of went from there. Uh, A lot of research, um, kind of shaped, shaped, took our, our philosophy to take some, you know, add some layers to it. And, um, yeah, that's basically, that's basically, uh, it.
0: So... We, with your um, philosophy, kind of the way that your your mind works and the way that you uh, process the game in general, uh, I similar in that way. I mean, you know, I'm always trying to figure out, okay, where, where's the advantage, um, in and on the field and uh, and so positional play from a terminology standpoint just also made sense to me uh, as well. Um, in terms of that conversation with your players, especially your younger players, uh, you know, where, um, where does that begin for you, and, and how do you begin to start to try to communicate that to the players from the outset, uh, even before you maybe even get into training, or do you just allow like, how you set them up in training to, to teach them you know, what you're trying to teach them uh, in terms of your, your philosophy and style?
1: So, um, so like um are you talking about my specific group or in any group that i would walk into are you talking about these these 2010s or any any group that i would like you know go and take over or work with or anything
0: like that uh well let's start with the 2010s we're showing a little bit of this footage that was uh, that you had posted on twitter and um you know just their play and 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 how they're communicating uh moving shape, uh you know shifting their shape for the to, to support the ball etc playing out of the back going into attack so how do you begin this conversation so that what is what you see as your in-product, the video that you post, it um, actually happens on the field? Where, where does that where does that conversation begin with those players?
1: Okay, so I, I'm actually uh, I love that question. I'll tell you why. Um, we just started two more 2010s in July, um, so this is our third 2010, and just last year, um, last year I took over the BW Gachi 2010. Obviously, I'm not there anymore. I worked there for one year with those boys, but they also were demonstrating the exact same playing style. So um, right now, we're, we're actually going through what you just said, like where do we start and how do, I, well, how do we get that end product? So that's actually a very relevant question for where we're at right now. Um, so basically, what we try to tell the players is what the team's trying to do um, as a whole, and then we define each role within that system, uh, and we make it very clear to them. Um, with that age group, with the 2010s, it's kind of, it's easy because you could do a building out as a good starting point because when you build out, you can get your shape, you get your spaces. There's no breakout, there's a breakout line. So they can't just go and like high press you early, you know, so you could, it allows you, it allows you to like get your shape and, and make that first pass and kind of pick your head up and read the pressure and, you know, and, and go from there. So, um, basically that's, that's our starting point. Um, at that age group. So we'll, 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 whatever, wherever the ball goes and wherever the defense is, the kids kind of know how to set up a structure and make decisions based on the other team's pressure, right? Um, and then we connect that to, every, to all our training. So in the rondos, we teach that concept where read the defense, move the ball either to bring them more to the side or forward or backwards and then exploit them when they're unbalanced. Like that's what we do all the time, every every single day, you know? And, and we do that when we take that concept and we implement it into our build out, we take that concept and we build it into our throw-ins. We take that concept, we build it into our transition moments. We take that concept and we build it into our defensive moments. So, uh, yeah, that's what I would say. I would say we start with, um, the building out and, and the bigger picture is, what is the team trying to do, and then what's your job within that team? That's that's kind of where we start, um, and little by little we kind of take the training wheels off, um, and let them start. You know, and it kind of happens simultaneously where, as the kids start to get it in the build out, it's because they're learning it in the rondos. If you didn't do the rondos or positional games like you're you can't really uh, you can't really use what we do like uh you can't really use that concept and bring it into the into the game i I don't see it i mean unless there's a better way of teaching you know those things that we haven't come across yet but positional games is as you know as game-like as you can be in my opinion so that's kind of what we what we use and that's our tool to get to drive home our concepts
0: i am i am a uh in in complete agreement there and big believer in what what you're doing in terms of, uh, uh, the way that you're going about it, your philosophy, but also how you're trying to teach your philosophy, uh, as well. Um, you know, the, the idea that these players, uh, that, and I find this just completely ludicrous that players this age, eight, nine years old, that, you know, it, it, it's too much, to expect from them to be able to execute on this level. Well, your video shows that it's possible. Uh, I believe it's possible. I've seen it as well. And um, you know, it, it, it comes down to, in my view, a few things, leadership, vision, uh, the ability to teach that vision and, and, and execute, you know, a consistent uh, training plan, that supports that vision. And, uh, if you do, I think you can, you can reach that level where you see these, these kids on the field, um, being able to execute in the moment, laying off a pass of the goalkeeper splitting wide, getting the ball back. Um, it, it makes it, it makes it very, uh, easy for the players once they understand roles and responsibilities, to be able to start to execute when you have more time and space. Uh, this is this is a, a conversation I had uh, w- with a coach uh, a few years ago. I had a I had a team that I had put together. It was a free-to-play um, academy. It, it was a single squad. We were really tiny. It was um, more of a Petri dish of an idea than it was a club, and a uh, single team, single squad. But I had a few kids that had never played organized soccer before. And uh, we had gotten them, we gotten them in and, and uh, their extent of soccer was, you know, maybe some kickabout in the yard with their dad. It just wasn't a lot uh, of background there. Some of these players were not very good technically. And uh, yet they were able to learn the concepts of positional play and time and space support. And, and, what I was trying to explain to some of these coaches was that, you know, a lot of people would look at that player and say, you know, you need to kind of ease up on teaching them the positional play piece. They first got to figure out, you know, how to how to be able to dribble into a pack of 15 kids. And I'm like, bro, if I can just get him some time and space where where, you know, he can receive a ball – give him a second to settle it because he's in the right position. He's given himself time. He's going to have more success on the field. And the more success he has on the field, the more confidence he builds, the better he's going to get in the, in the long run. And we saw that transition from him over the course of a couple of years where when, when we when he first came, he could barely handle a soccer ball at all to being able to, to, you know, be a more competent player. Now, was he going to, ever turn out to be the, the next, you know, Messi or Neymar or, you know, Jal Felix? No. I mean, <laughs> I don't think he ever had that delusion. And I know we didn't have that delusion, but he, he, he learned how to play uh, and and learn how to play positionally and, and, and be a contributor on the team and in the squad um, that, that we had at that time. So um, when, whenever you are, putting together your team and you're going in to to teach them um how receptive are the kids when you're talking to them you're saying hey here's what we're going to do do you do you go to them and you say these are the positions you're going to play or do you move everybody around all the time like how do you go in and set up that structure and start that conversation to to kind of phase one of the education process all
1: right so um yeah, the, um, we have the saying that uh, we, don't, we, don't, we don't determine positions. Uh, nature determines the positions. So what I mean by that is if you have a kid that looks like he has three lungs and he, he, just, he'll, he won't stop running, he looks like he enjoys running, we just know that kid belongs somewhere on the outside of the field. There, we don't know at that age if he's a fullback, if he's a winger, but we know that he needs room to run um, and, and, and then on the wings, it's like, you know, you could overlap, you could come back on transition. That's probably the area of the field that he belongs. If you, (laughs) we joke and say, Hey, if you have a guy in the field that, um, if he wasn't playing soccer, he'd probably end up in jail, like a Gennaro Gattuso. You put that guy right in the middle of the field because he likes to, he likes to war. He likes to grind. Um, uh, you know, he likes to get in contact and tackle. So boom, that guy belongs in the middle of the fields. Um, if you have a guy that, you know, you know, he likes, you know, he's, he's a player who kind of like falls back or you have a guy with like a hard shot, you know, that's, I don't really need to tell you where those guys belong. So, um, that's kind of where we start. Obviously kids pop out, you know, kids definitely pop out and you might see something new from them. Uh, a kid that didn't look so uh maybe athletic or something he becomes athletic some guys that were athletic you know obviously you have to like maybe make some amends um or maybe the way that they see the game you could shift them into different positions but that's definitely our starting point we just analyze their qualities and where they look comfortable and we 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 put them in there um that's the starting point yeah and then we just go from there and then we'll we'll teach them their roles so we're not gonna it's not our style we try to we try to teach the, the seven and the 11 what their jobs would be if they were on the national team, you know, so that if they get called to a new level or higher level, they know their job. It's not within our team. It's it's We don't change anything. We're not reinventing anything. We just look at the roles of those players and we teach it to the kids very uh, specifically, very, very detailed. And the kids and the kids, you know, they grab it. And how do we set that environment? It's very simple. The first day that you see me or any of the coaches that I work with, we, we look you in the face and we tell you that, um, you know, do you want to be treated like a professional? Do you want to be treated like a, you know, a nine year old or an 11 year old soccer player? I know it sounds cool. And they say, hey, we want to be treated like a professional. But then now we, you just signed a contract with us verbally. You know, we just said something. You, you responded. And that's now that's the standard and 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 we don't we're not going to really accept anything below that standard. So every time that we need to tell remind you we say look this is a professional environment. If you want to be here, you know, this is where we work. Um after practice we'll, we'll mess around with you. We'll we'll laugh with you, but when we're working, like don't you know, don't you dare like you know, don't don't you dare like try to bring any kind of goofing around or anything like that. Um and it's just 100% focus and a hundred percent work while we're there. That's, that's, that's definitely the standard. Um, and once you have those things, once you have their concentration and once you have their effort, um, that's when the learning begins. We, we say, that's how you build the learning environment. And then once we have the learning environment, we, you know, we, 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 we get to work.
0: How, How do the, how do the parents respond to that approach? Um, when the standard across this country, uh, especially at those ages, is juice box and have fun. And it's just about, you know, uh, you know, learning, but, but keeping it fun and, 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 and not being as serious uh, in terms of in terms of being studious uh, as you guys want to make it in terms of the culture and environment, how do parents respond to that?
1: Well, um, the first thing is that we tell them is we're not for everybody. Um, we're definitely not for everybody and there's nothing wrong with recreational soccer, um, at all. Um, and usually the people that we draw, they, 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 they so happen they hear, Junior Soccer isn't a, isn't a club. It's a training organization. It's it's all the coaches. That's what we are. We're the Junior Soccer training organization. We work under uh, Franklin Square Raiders Soccer, and we work under many clubs. But that's where the teams that you see in the video is under Franklin Square Raiders, which is a local team in in uh, Long Island. Um, so when they're hearing when they're hearing about us, uh, they're hearing about us through the, there's three ways. It's either word of mouth it's either we played against you or you're seeing us on social media. Uh, I don't think there's a, another way that they heard about us. So when they, when they come, they, they get an inkling of what we do already and the environment's already set. But, uh, like I said, when I went to VW Gachi and I took their 2010s and th- that young age group, uh, I make that impression right away and I educate the parents right away. I say, look, uh, we're trying to, we're trying to build character. Soccer is a vessel to build character. um, Winning is very important over here. Uh, we tell them, you know, it's not my job to win. It's it's my job to tell them why winning is important. They're putting in the work every day. Why wouldn't they want to go out there and compete and and, and to do their best and to get three points against another group of kids that are working during the week and come in to see them on the weekend? You know, they're both. I tell the kids, I'm like, look, in practice, there's, all right, the other team we're playing, whatever, from Brooklyn or from Suffolk, right now on Wednesday, they're working too. Uh, in a couple of days, we're going to, we're going to meet on a field and we're going to find out who is working harder. That's it. Like, that's what the game is. It's to see, you know, basically, uh, what these guys bring to your, your table. Uh, can you cope with them? Can you, can you overcome the challenge? You know? So teaching these things to these parents and letting them know, like, look, we're, we're going to put your kids in, a, in an environment that's going to challenge them. Some parents love it. Some parents say, I'm not ready for it, you know, and, uh, there's nothing wrong with that, but the ones that get it, there's a lot of parent education that goes along with it. And there's a lot of demands on the parents as well. You know, we ask them to be there an hour before the game. We ask them, uh, we asked a lot of the parents, man, you know, and the parents too are awesome. They, they, they support us a hundred percent. They support their kids a hundred percent. And what they put into it is what they get out of it, you know, so um we treat the kids like little professionals from from the from the jump doesn't really matter how old they are we have we have a group of 2013s right now and their parents are getting right into it and they're starting to see like you know this is where i want to be i love it you know uh, don't tell us that when we win tell us that when the team loses that's when we want to hear it because when you win you're right and everyone's happy (laughs) and when uh when the team's not doing so well you know that's when the parents get all crazy so um it's a process but it's a lot of parent education and um letting them know that these this is the stuff that's going to make your kids young men at 14 and 15 and 16 and when they apply for college you know this is the stuff that they're going to need in their in their uh back pocket not the not the uh it's all roses and when i apply to st john's when i apply to st Uh, whatever. If I go to St. John's or St. Paul's or Columbia university, not everyone makes it, you know? So you don't want that to be the first taste of reality that, uh, uh, you know, it's not all like I sign up and I play, I participate, you know, that's not, that's not reality. And I think uh, when you explain it to the parents, they appreciate it. They appreciate that. So we get a good response from the ones that are with us for sure.
0: I want to get back to one uh, one question uh, here that uh, I was thinking about as you were talking uh, about the the positional play of the kids and letting kind of nature take its course when you have kids that are you know have can run for days, uh, kids that that uh, you know enjoy the tackle and you play them in the middle, etc. When you when you are allowing nature to kind of take its course, and you're and you're watching these kids and where they naturally seem to to want to, um, you know, move into positionally where they get comfortable. They're like, "Ooh, I like it here." Um, do you ever deal with or how do you deal with if 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 it ever comes up, players that say, "Coach." I want to go play striker or coach. I want to go play as, you know, a midfielder or as a winger. And maybe right now they're the, they're playing as the goalkeeper. Uh, how do you deal with those issues and, and how do the kids handle that with you guys?
1: Perfect. So we actually, uh, we had the three to four cases of that this summer, especially with the, some of the newer ones, like I said, we started two new 2010 teams. So we, we have a boatload of kids that say, Hey, I want to play like these guys. You know, uh, they saw us playing in wherever across Long Island or in video and they see our team and like, Hey, I want to be part of that. So they come over here and they think, Hey, like, you know, I put on this orange shirt or this red shirt, and now I'm going to play, uh, possession soccer. But then when they come into the reality, they see it's not, it's not what they thought. You know, it's kind of, uh, you know, we're not, we're not going to allow that. So, um, when we had that conversation with someone very recently within the last um, before before the middle of August and we said to the parents, look, if, if you want to tell us that your kid's a striker or he's not happy because he wants to be a striker, that is the most recreational concept that uh, or statement that you could possibly be making. I said, because if this was Atletico Madrid, if this was Manchester City, if this was Juventus and they told you your son's going to play left back you're going to turn to your son and you're going to tell him you're going to play left back and you're going to love it. Do you understand? That's what you're going to tell your son. And they can't deny that, you know? If, if Real Madrid comes and says your son's going to play goalie and he likes to play striker, you're going to make sure that that kid plays goalie. You know, there, there, is, no, there is no discussion. So if there's a discussion here, it's almost like a lack of respect because why would you say it to us and not to Real Madrid? And I don't I don't I don't think that I don't I'm not going to say I don't think there's a difference, but uh, I think that that's it's disrespectful, you know, to to, kind of think that from from a parent or from a player, a nine year old. I'm not going to let a nine year old tell tell us, you know, that that, you know, we're going to we want to I want to play in this position. If he does it again, it's not it's no problem. We're not wrong. We're not right go and play, you know, and go pick your position on whatever other team you want to play on. But over here, we're not really, uh, we're not really here to, to, to do that. We're not that kind of program, you know, we're not, to be honest with you, uh, at one point I would like to talk about how this, how we started with this 2010 team, but we, I'm not here and, and Jose and Christian and Max and Carlos and Joe, we're not here to coach U9 soccer, um, the, you know, so we're, we're not re- really here to do that. We got really lucky with a with a young group where, we had a nice little background, uh, uh, parent support. Uh, we liked what, what the, what the parents you know brought to the table. We liked the kids. They were a clean slate. They were five years old, six years old, four years old. Uh, this, this was in 2015 and 16. Um, so yeah, we, we liked that. And, um, I'm like, all right, I'll get into this project, you know, and I want to see how far we could take these kids. I want to take them to U19 and I want, you know, we want to take them all the way to, uh, to, 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 you know, men's level. But, um, I, I was coaching U 23 before this, you 19 and you 17 before this. So that's kind of where I want to be coaching. Um, but I, 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 definitely don't have a problem with the young ones right now because, you know, there's just so much momentum and we have a lot of kids. Uh, we have a lot of, uh, we have a lot of kids there and a lot of parents that you know they want to be part of our program, so if they want it, you know I'm more than happy to be working with these guys but just to just to put everything into perspective, it's like we're not looking to deal with those issues, so if those issues come to us where Oh, you know, we want to skip practice or, Oh, um, you know, we have a birthday party. Do we have to be at the game on Saturday? This is not the environment for you. You know, it's basically where we stand. That's how we, that's how we tell the, you know, that's what we tell the parents, you know, that's the standard we set.
0: How long does it take you in, in, when you first start to work with a group of kids, how long does it take you guys to start to identify where nature's taking its course? uh, to, to start to figure out, okay, Hey, it looks like, you know, these two or three kids, uh, are, are winger type players. Um, these, these two or three kids look like center backs. This, these two or three kids look like a goalkeeper versus a striker. How long does it take you guys to, to identify and see those things and how, when you're doing that, how much are the kids, uh, giving any input to that, or or how are they handling it? As you guys start to to understand that and have those communications with them.
1: So, um, sometimes it happens the first, the first second you see the kid, you know, you just see that kid and he's taking people on the ball is glued to his foot. He's going forward. He's very, uh, like, you know, vicious, like he's going forward every time. He's not really like looking to move the ball backwards. He's, he's going toward the goal. Some kid, uh, he's not selfish. He'll make a strong tackle and then just dish the ball off, you know, and you just try him and put him in those positions. Some kids you really don't really know where they're going to fit in at all. And, and you kind of, you know, try them in the wing one day, or you look at the opponent and, you know, this guy's kind of slow, you know, maybe I put him here that day and, you know, see where, how he does against that guy. And, you know, this guy's kind of, it's a, a, you know, a space in the field where you could afford to check him out that day. And you throw him in there and you see how he does that day. It's a kind of trial and error and see where he, he belongs and then um you know at one point you know hopefully you know you find a spot where that kid goes or at this age you know there's only seven spaces on the field there's only seven positions so you know as they get to 9v9 um the more positions open up in the field and you kind of something there's something for everyone for sure so you, you always find a, a place where that kid fits um, um, you asked the second part of that question that was really important. Uh, I'm just trying to, trying to backtrack and think what it was. Well, I was,
0: um, at, I was asking about like some of the kids input in, in terms oh, of yeah, how yeah. they, how, how do they respond when they get put into positions or while you are going through that process of identifying the players and their kind of roles on the field, maybe more so than positions, um, how do they react to that? How do they handle that when you're first kind of saying, okay, Hey, you're going to play as a center back, for example.
1: Perfect. So I actually have a very funny story about that. So, uh, literally this weekend, um, (laughs) some, one of the kids is like, I'm a striker. We we never saw this kid play yet because, uh, he was injured a little bit. And then, um, he's, he's, he registered in like the end of July. So he didn't really register in May so um, or he didn't you know commit in May so um we're we're working with this kid and the kid is the kid the kid's like I'm a striker I'm a striker like uh, you know we know he's either going to be a fullback or a winger we we just know he he likes to engage in in 1v1s he likes to track back so we uh (laughs) we tell him like all right yeah you're going to be a striker you know and we told him you're going to be a striker and we saw we were, we were we were we were dying laughing, man, because this guy he ended up by the corner flag when we didn't have the ball so many times, you know. And we're like looking at him at the end of the game. We like, you know, were were you here in this moment, you know? And we showed him like on the board, and and he was like, no. And we're like looking at him like you didn't you didn't block that cross there and give away a corner kick. And he's like, yeah, he's like, yeah, I, I did. I'm like, all right, good. I'm like, because you know what you were doing there. We're, you're playing like a real left winger and the kid and the kid looked at us like 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 his eyes opened up you know it was, it was, it was hilarious so yeah that that happens a lot where the kid's like I want to be a striker and the next thing you know the kid is literally the last man in the back and you're just like you just look at a, you just look at the other coach and you just look at him like you know like look look where he is you know the kid, it sounds nice you know everyone want to be Neymar they want to be you know Messi they want to be Ronaldo but at the end of the day, they're eight, and they're nine, and they're ten, and they're eleven years old, and you know, you know what's best for them. So hopefully, so you well,
0: know. Well, we don't, we don't need any more Rinaldos. Uh, one was enough. <laughs> I'm fine with more messages <laughs> uh, as a Barcelona supporter We don't need any more CR sevens. Uh, we're good. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, that's a, That's, I'm that's my boring. Ronaldo joke of the day. And all of you Madrid lovers and Juventus lovers and men United lovers, you can send me all of your hate mail. I don't care. Um, uh, so, you know, just send it my way. It's fine. I can take it. Uh, I, I, I admire and respect, Ronaldo, uh, I I don't think he belongs anywhere near the conversation of greatest of all time, especially in relation to Messi. But that's that's my opinion. And um it's my show, so I can say it. So, um, (laughs) so, uh, so anyway, Hey John, look, thanks for joining us on the show today. I I really want to bring you back on to talk about some more things. There's so many places I want to go with this. Uh, we, we, we just are simply out of time. How can people connect with you in the interim, uh, until we can get you back on to talk about some more things, uh, in, in terms of social media, Twitter, how, how can they, uh, how can they track you down? Pick your brain.
1: So, um, on Twitter is, uh, Kokoris, K-O-K-K-O-R-I-S-8. Um, that's my personal Twitter, um, on Instagram, on Facebook and on Twitter, you can look up Johan Jr.'s Soccer. Um, we're on all those platforms. We're, uh, orange logo. Um, if you want to follow the other, some of the other coaches, there's Coach Jose Lopez, Uh, I think it's actually Profe Lopez. Um, There's Coach Christian Velasquez. You could search in my mind. Um, Those are the main guys that are on the social media. The other guys don't really do the social media, but Dan, thank you so much for having me, man. Um, Anytime you want to get in touch, or um, I'd love to be back on the show. Um, And I I wish you a really successful fall season with your boys.
0: Appreciate it. Appreciate it so much. And uh, I appreciate you coming on the show and and definitely look forward to having you back on again soon. Uh, There's so many more places I want to go with this uh, and and talk philosophy. And I think you've got some insight that would help a lot of coaches. Um, And and that's an area that we we definitely, uh, I definitely want to get back into uh, next time we have you on the show. So thanks for joining us today. We really do appreciate it and uh, look forward to having you back again very soon
1: thank you my man have a great day you too
0: that was John Kikouris Uh, check him out at J-K-O-K-K-O-R-I-S-8 on Twitter and um, and you can uh, get in touch with him and connect with him really do appreciate him coming on our sponsor this half hour is Charity Water learn more about Charity Water at charitywater.org we'll be right back after this no one No man, no woman, no child should ever have to drink green water with bugs, with algae, with disease in it. Bad water and a lack of toilets kills more people than all the wars in the world. We know how to bring clean drinking water right now to every single person on earth. And when you can bring water into communities, it truly Welcome back into the show. Thanks so much for tuning in this Wednesday, September the 11th. I'd like to thank John Kekoros for joining us. Really appreciate him uh, spending some time with us, talking about his uh, philosophy, his coaching philosophy. And uh, one of the key points that I, that I think every youth coach should should pick up on, and you can handle it however you want to handle it, in terms of how you set your team up, how you play, um, But he made a comment that I think is real important that, that stood out to me. Let nature take its course. The players will tell you how they see the game and where they fit on the field by the way that they naturally play. And I see this time and time again. Oftentimes, the kids may not know exactly a position – but they'll tell you the kind of style or the role in which that that they want to to take on on a field and uh, and I think it's important that that you let that process play out. Uh, I've seen this time and time again where you you get kids And, 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 and he and I talked about it. You, you'll get a kid and you'll see them and they may think their parents may think, Hey, give him time at striker, give him time here, give him time there. But all they want to do is stay back. Let them stay back. Like it's the, I I don't know why this is in, in, in American soccer, but you know, when you look at other sports, like it, it, if you look at basketball, that's an easy one to see. You got a really tall kid, and and he enjoys playing down low. Like you're not playing him at point guard; you're playing him as your center. You know, in in, in American football, not every kid's going to be the quarterback. Some kids are going to have to play O line. Some kids are going to are, are, are going to be your your wide receivers or your running backs, and those those things. Generally, if you let nature take its course, they'll start to identify themselves and you'll see, hey, there's there's maybe two or three kids on here that that can play the quarterback position. There's two or three or four kids that can be a running back and and four or five that can be wide receivers, etc. And you watch that play out. I think one of the one of the aspects about especially at young ages in American soccer when it comes to positional play Positions, or especially at the younger ages, it's not even about positions as much as it's about roles. Like them naturally feeling comfortable in certain roles and, and playing in certain ways, um, because there's several positions on the field where where certain roles may overlap. So you, you allow those roles to 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 flourish, uh, and you're not trying to force things. But in in those scenarios in American soccer, I think because a lot of times the kids it's not a it's not something that you just look at them and physically can see, right? So I think there is some nuance. There it's it is difficult at times to to look and see, man, these kids all physically look about the same height, about the same weight. You know, they may all generally be able to move, you know, in the same level of the spectrum in terms of speed, et cetera. You may have some, some kids that are on the slower end of the spectrum, some kids that are really fast, et cetera, but you have to pay attention to what they like and what they enjoy. And one of the ways that I found in that is letting them play some pickup soccer. When you let that, when you let kids play pickup soccer, you start to see some of those attributes play out, what kids really enjoy doing, what roles do they want to take on themselves, not what a coach is is telling them. And they'll start to identify for themselves. And then you just have to pay attention. And, um, and, and then, and then find those areas on the field where those kids and those roles can flourish. And I, I really liked the way he brought that, that I thought that was good. Look, we have a stack of stuff, uh, that we wanted to get to today. And, you know, when I started this show, um, I was like, how do these guys have all, you know, have these shows, whether it's in sports or politics or news, uh, entertainment, like, You know, they'll talk about, hey, I've got all this stack of stuff and we didn't even get to and blah, blah, blah. And yeah, so today was one of those days for me and um, didn't get to it. But tomorrow we will try to dig back into this stack of stuff, including an article from John Townsend on uh, October the 30th 2017 deconstructing the American game and the problems so many thought never existed this was nearly two years ago still relevant today and we're gonna get into some of this tomorrow uh, just simply ran out of time uh, big show today ran over a little bit with uh, with John but uh, John of but I, I really enjoyed that that chat and conversation look forward to having him back on again in the very near future. Thanks for tuning in today. I uh, hope you take a moment uh, throughout the day to uh, to remember those that we lost on September 11th. Uh, we will never forget and we will never be the same. And um, again, I encourage you if you've never been to New York, take a trip. If for nothing else, and there's so many, it's my favorite city on, the, on Earth, but if for nothing else, Just to go to that memorial and and pay your respects. It is unbelievable. Just, uh, it's a sacred space. Um and uh, and I encourage everyone to do that. Uh, it, it is it is it's just a, it's a really great place um, that in, in a way to honor those that we lost on September 11th. So hope you have a great day. We will be back again here tomorrow, as always. You can watch the show live at 8 a.m. Eastern on Facebook.com/forward/slash/wrkmn or at Daniel Catch me on Instagram or Twitter at Daniel Workman. We'll see everyone again tomorrow.